This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 26, about Agent Carter, episode 6, A Sin to Air. Welcome back, Defenders. This is episode 26 of our podcast. We're talking about Agent Carter, episode 6, A Sin to Air, this week. I'm Derek, one of your hosts. And John, one of your other hosts. I'm really excited to talk about this episode. Absolutely. Really, really good episode. A giant leap for mankind, I think, in this one. Oh, womankind. <laughs> a womankind, um, And the chickens most certainly came home to roost today for <laughs> Peggy Carter. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Margaret, I think, is how she was called by Daniel Souza. And that only means one thing. She is in his bad books. Yes, absolutely. And our agents were right. The uh, the gentlemen and the ladies that contacted us to tell us that Mar- that Peggy's first name was Margaret, uh, hence why she was called Marge in an earlier episode. Well done. Good spot, everybody. Um, caught out this week by, uh, by Daniel Souza, as he calls her Margaret. Want to start off this week's episode with a thank you and a very happy birthday to Jose Molina, the writer of last week's episode five of Agent Carter, that fantastic episode featuring the Highland Commandos. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, not only has Jose been getting in contact with us to needle us about not getting out this week's episode quickly enough for him, um, he's also contacted us on Twitter just to uh, just to say hi and says um, about last week's episode. Some very clever lads have some very kind things to say about my episode. Uh, catching up with the podcast tonight, you guys are doing terrific work. Thank you very much, Jose. It was really nice to hear from you. Thank you so much. Um, I hope it's not your 107th birthday with 107 Howling Commando candles. <laughs> nice. But uh, no, big happy birthday to you from Defenders TV Podcast and the Agent Carter team. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, really, really good, and really good to hear from you. And thanks very much for uh, for getting in contact with us. Yeah, absolutely, really nice. Thank you. So, if anyone else has any feedback that they want to give us in relation to Agent Carter, into in relation to specific episodes or to the podcast, um, you're more than welcome to send it in to feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com by email or through Twitter at DefendersCast. Uh, yeah, we have got a, a bit of feedback, but most of it's actually been on Fantastic Four, which we're not going to cover in our feedback section during Agent Carter because it's going to be pretty spoilery. So uh, we will get to it in a future episode, but thanks very much for sending that feedback in. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast at DefendersTVPodcast.com slash iTunes if you're an Apple person. Otherwise, you can find us on any good podcast catcher, such as Podcast Addict, Beyond Pod. Tons of them out there. I think we're pretty much everywhere. If you can't find us on your podcast catcher, make sure you email us at feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com and we will make sure we're at it. And remember you to subscribe on iTunes or any other good podcast catcher to the feed. And of course, as we release each new episode, so it will miraculously pop up in your podcast catcher. And while you're on iTunes, make sure you leave us a review, just like Madge Astro, who left us a review in the last uh, last week. Uh, thanks very much, Madge. Um, just to mention her review, it's a five-star review. Thank you so much. She says, one of my new favorite podcasts. I defend this podcast. The hosts are a pleasure to listen to, and you can tell how much they love the Marvel characters. I get excited to see characters I'm not at all familiar with because they're exo- so excited about them. That must be Doctor Strange, John. It must be. <laughs> <laughs> and Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And all of them, to be honest. That's true. <laughs> Iron Fist, 
Daredevil. Ah, oh, there's just so so many of them. Yeah. And I mean, not to necessarily go on a plug fest, but equally on Gotham TV podcast, we do wax lyrical about Gotham and Batman and the DC verse as well. Yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Madge goes on to say they're honest with criticism without being vicious. A lost art. I highly recommend this podcast for Marvel fans. I want them to cover Marvel everything. Thank you, Defenders. Well, thank you, Madge. We will ensure we cover as much as we possibly can of the Marvel universe. Yeah, thank you so much, Madge, for for that review. It's really nice, um, and thank you. Um, it means a lot. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, yeah, make sure you leave your uh, review on iTunes as well. So, John, do you want to get into this week's epic episode, A Sin to Air? Um, this episode was directed by Stephen Williams and written by Lindsay Allen. Uh, now, Lindsay Allen is the first time writing a full episode of a TV show on her own. Um, previously, she'd written uh, co-written an episode of Arrow. And also, you might be interested to know, John, she was a story consultant on Telltale's Game of Thrones game. Interesting. I have just finished that game and probably killed all the foresters <laughs> um, through my own poor decision making in the game. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, that was a, a nice little game actually. Telltale Games, uh, really good. Um, obviously, they did The Walking Dead, and of course, Telltale also did um, The Big Bad Wolf, and um, based on the comic book and the graphic novel Fables, which was excellent. I really enjoyed that. I'd never read Fables before. Um, so anyone listening, go out and read Fables, yeah. um, or at least go and maybe investigate Telltale Games' Big Bad Wolf. Yeah. Um, but that I really, really liked, I have to say, because um, it was something new and different that I hadn't ever seen before uh, and made me really want to go out and uh, read Fables. Yeah, and definitely the Game of Thrones story. I know you played this one. I watched a lot of it and saw a lot of the storyline. And uh, Lindsay, if you were involved in some of the story uh, elements of that, well, well done on that. And welcome to the world of Agent Carter. I know you've been involved in some of the other episodes, but this is your own primary episode. So, uh, so John... John, do you want to tell us what Lindsay gave us this week with your synopsis? Sure will. Agent Peggy Carter has a theory that the person responsible for stealing Stark's weapons and for the murder of Agent Krasminski is a woman. At the same time, after his visit to Sheldon in prison for information about the woman who took him down, Agent Daniel Souza has confirmed his theory that it is a woman who is the mole in the Strategic Scientific Reserve, the SSR, and who is working for and helping Howard Stark. And that woman is Agent Margaret Carter. But no one at the SSR has a theory about the Leviathan enemy right in amongst them, as Dr. Ivanchenko begins to condition Julian Yauch for his own ends to uncover the location of Stark's weapons. However, unbeknownst to Dooley, just as he is about to crack and be turned by Ivanchenko, he is called in on SSR's hunt for Peggy, who, little does she know, is saved from Dottie as she is brought into custody to answer for her treachery. Oh, yes, yes. Great episode. Good stuff and lots going on. Loads of stuff yeah, going on. Quite, really, really good. Yeah. I would say quite difficult to uh, shrink down into a, into a synopsis there. Yes, all about the theories, I reckon. Yes, definitely. Um, if this is your first episode joining us and you haven't joined us for the previous 25, pause here, go back and listen to those 25 and come back later. Nope, joking. Um, but <laughs> the way we cover our episodes is we each take five points that stood out to us about the episode, talk through those points and any notes that we may have about it and give our whether we defend the episode or not at the end. Um, 
John, do you want to kick us off with your first point? I certainly do, and it is not an homage to John Travolta and Nicolas Cage, but I shall say it three times, face-off, face-off, and (laughs) face-off. This is DC Agents versus Peggy Carter, Jack Thompson versus Peggy Carter, and then Daniel Souza against Peggy Carter, Mm -hmm. in that order. And this is coming back to the big, big fight in the automat, the uh, the diner, really really great, loved it, absolutely fantastic fight, and um, there's great music behind it as well. I think a good day from morning to night. I think as the the track running through it, really of its time, really kind of up tempo as Peggy Carter is taking out all these DC agents that have been called in absolutely. after Souza has gone and told and confirmed to Dooley that his theory and um, that it is effectively Peggy Carter or Margaret Carter is correct. Sheldon has confirmed it against cross-examination again and we have this fantastic fight. We have Jarvis get his own dig in with a tray which I love. Absolutely. I like, Go Jarvis. You and know, the jug as well over the head. Really cool moments from Jarvis Exactly. There. <laughs> as they do procedure 791 this is fantastic and then it moves out into the alleyway as they try to escape and Thompson self-righteous as always is kind of saying I told those uh, DC agents that you were going to be difficult to take down and thankfully she dispatches them really really easily Um, but she does say I'm sorry Jack you know I have no choice in the matter and, and takes him down with a good old twist of the wrist gets the gun out of the way and then a great right hook uh, maybe it was a left hook, I can't really remember, but a great right hook. Decks him in one. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. May I say well-deserved punch to the face for Absolutely. Jack Thompson after the last couple of episodes, and even a couple of moments in this episode. He uh, can be quite cruel to other people, but uh, like a nice man we found out last week in the Helen Commandos episode, he does have his own demons to deal with, but uh, can be quite difficult to deal with sometimes. But he is getting back into bad habits this episode, definitely. Yes, we definitely see that this episode. You know, a few times where, you know, all that good work from the last episode undone as he's reversing back to... um, 1940s maildom, I suppose. Um, And then finally, we get kind of that really almost sort of sad moment where the face-off is with Agent Daniel Souza, um, you know, and she's there. She's just like, you're not going to shoot me. You can see the conflict in his eyes, being an agent of the SSR or in some ways trying not to believe in what he's found out, and, and um, the person who he's found it out about, ultimately. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. it's a great, great line that he delivers as, you know, she knows, Peggy knows he's not going to shoot her, and she runs off, and he says, don't run, if you run, I'll know it's true. Really nice little touch there, I think. Um, and it really kind of helps confirm that that simmering sort of maybe longing under Agent Sousa for Peggy Carter. I mean, yeah. you've kind of known it, in a sense, being as clear as day throughout the, the the season so far, but this now really just kind of 
gives it a real tragic touch, actually, yeah. at this moment in time, and it's really nice. Especially as Peggy responds to him, I'm sorry, Daniel, as she walks away, there's a, a nice little moment of loss there, I suppose, between those two characters, uh, who've been really tight this season. You know, she's been the one that's always there for Daniel's back, and, you know, he's not that he's ever asked for it, but she's always been there for him, and he's always been there for her in a way, knowing the kind of stuff she's gone through, you know? Um, tough little moment for the two of them there. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was a great, great touch from, uh, you know, that third and final face-off. Yeah, yeah, really good face-off this episode. Really yeah, she good. didn't get to face-off against Dooley, though, but I suspect kind of did in a way, actually, maybe um, right at the end in the interview room. Uh, but that would be taking me to one of my other points. <laughs> so I'm going to leave it for now. Yep, I definitely had a couple of things about that uh, that particular fight scene. I thought that were really, really good, just the... Uh, the moment of, of Agent Carter kicking the chair across the floor to Jarvis' waiting hands as he blocks off the door from the other agents. A really well choreographed moment there. Really enjoyed that. Thought that was pretty cool. Uh, and again, as you say, Jarvis getting a couple of uh, a couple of digs in as well. It's uh, well worth seeing um, James get a couple of fighty moments uh, in these episodes. You don't expect them from him. Yeah, and he's so pleased as punch. I mean, he's so like proud after he's cracked this agent from DC mm-hmm. over the head. You know, I suppose he kind of thinks, oh, now I'm Agent Carter, or, <laughs> you know, I, I'm Captain America. Yes, or, or, or Captain Britain. Or Captain Britain. Like, really, really good, really enjoyed it. Just the smile on his face. Yeah, and just one other point about that fight, which I really enjoyed, was just something really interesting. Um, Peggy does take out Thompson uh, because, very possibly, he will shoot Peggy. Um, she says to Daniel, you're not going to shoot me, and walks past him. So um, is there that feeling that Thompson would have basically taken out his gun and shot her probably yeah yeah like he is a fairly focused man yes definitely on a mission when he's got that mission a dog with a bone ultimately absolutely so derek what's your first point Uh, my first point is really dotty and the dentist um i love this scene i love dotty she's just got such fantastic moments in this episode um and in the series so far really really good but I'm a big, not a big fan of the dentist, as most people aren't. But, Sleazebag. But this particular dentist, yeah, exactly, as you say, he oh. is a... <laughs> You're talking about dentists in general. Yeah, I'm just talking about ten, this this particular dentist yes, that, that Dottie does her thing <laughs> to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This particular dentist is an absolute creep. Yeah, um, for any I... dentists out there, I wasn't meaning that you were all sleazebags. Right. Just this uh, particular 1940s dentist trying to recruit uh, a lady. Yes, Dr. Honecky. Um, he is a, a real scumbag, a real, you know, uh, essentially he's cleared the office so he can interview young girls on his own on a Saturday afternoon kind of thing, you know. Um, I do kind of like it because this is one of the first people that you've seen, well, actually it's the second this episode, uh, person that Dottie's killed. Um, but I like the fact that this is genuinely a person that deserves to be at least given a good hit upside the head for what he's doing to young women, um, you know. Probably didn't deserve what he got here, which is the dentist drill to the eyeball. A real eye-watering moment there. Yeah, open wide. <laughs> but yeah, really creepy scene just to see Dottie turning a dime from the sweet, innocent girl from, from Iowa um, to stabbing a dentist in the eye with his own drill. Um, really interesting. And then using his office, essentially, to communicate with Dr. Evchenko across the way in the SSR. So really, 
essentially she went to that office hoping it was going to be empty, thinking it was going to be empty, but it turned out that she ended off in the middle of an interview with a sleazebag dentist. So uh, an interesting way of uh, way of dealing with them and getting them out of the way. In fairness, she didn't answer many questions. Um, it was more of a physical, dare I say, um, <laughs> that she broke his wrist and then essentially drilled his eye, yeah. <laughs> which is like brutal. I mean, Dossian the dentist actually um, kind of hides the brutality of how she dispatches him but it, it sounds like a Disney film doesn't it when we say Dossie and the Dentist <laughs> um, and actually as you say you know the flashback to Russia 1944 where we see Ivanchenko sort of being recruited into Leviathan to some degree uh, and she's there um, and dispatches a guy who said that he doesn't want any part of it um, and you know, presumably dispatches then that guy's family, yeah. uh, as the officer said. So we really, um, not only do we kind of know now that she shot Agent Krasminski, she's taken down the mink, she's like literally, she's got the highest head count at this moment uh, on Agent Carter. Like really, really good to see such a ruthless killer. Um, and in fact, she's got, the young kid from the last episode, her, her sort of bedmate, um, you know, her uh, dorm room mate from from the training school. That's right. So yeah. she is ruthless. She is all sweetness and light, but underneath that, she is a cold-hearted, ruthless killing machine, and she does it fantastically. Absolutely, absolutely, and I love that this leads to the biggest moment of tension for me in the episode. Um, which is essentially Dotty across the way from Dooley's office carrying a sniper rifle, uh, pointing it at the office. I couldn't believe, for the most part of that episode, I couldn't believe that this is possibly where Dooley gets taken out. Um, well, yeah. absolutely, yeah. I mean, that leads on to my next point, actually. Well, actually, my third point, because I had Dotty and the dentist as well. Oh, really? Well, she was so great, and I mean... The writers must just love writing for this character, oh, yeah. or at least giving her direction on the page, because she is a lady of few words, and the few words that she does say are generally kind of uh, please and thank yous and graces and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And here then, um, and this is my third point, is I love the the old-school Morse code element that oh, yes. results from taking this dentist's... Um, office uh, and doing the coding and the Morse code through to Ivanchenko who's in Dooley's office mainly because it is it, it's that double take it's that red herring you actually think she's setting up a sniper rifle mm -hmm. to take out Dooley or actually my own head was she was taking out Dr. Ivanchenko because he was being turned I it was actually at that moment in time yes he was a leviathan agent but he had gone willingly and seemed to be giving up information. And so it was this idea that because he'd been um, captured, he was now um, a liability for Leviathan and was going to be taken out that way rather than, as we find out, he's part of the plan. Yeah, yeah. So I love that sleight of hand that, the, that was done in this episode where she looks like she's going to take one of them out or both of them out um, and you would expect that because she's a trained assassin. Yeah. She's been ruthless to date. And in the end, the, the sniper rifle ends up being 
um, and Morse code uh, with a light on and she's tapping out Morse code to Ivanchenko who is at the window of Dooley's office. And I like the way then his reply to her is by doing the lines and the dots on the window ledge mm-hmm. outside of Dooley's office. Just a really neat way of, of doing it. Um, and that I just really liked. Yeah, I thought beautiful. it was a nice little touch, again, to the espionage element here and, and, and really thrown it back to the, to the 40s. Yeah, that beautifully put together scene. Definitely really, really interesting. And it definitely throws up a question for me. Um, the opening scene that we see the flashback, which is essentially... Ivanchenko is telling them how he was recruited into Leviathan. Is that, is that roughly the, the way of doing it? Yeah. I wonder, is he describing a scene that he actually participated in? Like, for example, was he leading this kind of interrogation that was going on, recruiting the members of Leviathan? And that's why Dottie's there, and that's why the scene is described as well. Yeah, it, it would make sense. I mean, it's that kind of technique, maybe, that you're honest with your captors, but you're not telling them the whole truth. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's putting yourself into a third-person perspective on actually something that either you did or you commanded to do. Um, but it potentially gets past any detection of lying, you know, or if you're in a, a, a lie detector kind of situation. Yeah. Now, he's not here, but definitely, he, you know, Peggy keeps pushing him and pushing him and pushing him. And in the end, Dooley does kind of get a bit like, you know, yeah, you had your day with the Howling Commandos. Um, you did good. You yeah. really did good. And actually, she gets to investigate her own theory. That's right. That, um, you know, the person that killed Krasminski that maybe has set up Howard Stark is a woman infiltrating um, Howard's uh, underpants. I mean his house. Um, because along with Raspberry Truffles, his big weakness, the thing he's going to get undone by, is women. I love that um, little touch. The absolutely. Raspberry Truffles and women are his two witnesses. Fantastic. I mean, touch. absolutely. Really, really good. But um, yeah, no, really good little um, little scene. Uh, I think with Ivanchenko, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Ivanchenko, my uh, my next point is about Doctor Ivanchenko. What a, quite a big moment for him. I think we've got our first super powered villain in here in uh, Peggy Carter this week. Um, the ring of truth. Yeah, exactly, exactly. This uh, this little wedding ring touch that he has um, to get people, to convince people to do what he wants to do. Um, I love how it's played out throughout the episode. I love that while he's talking to Dooley, and essentially he's kind of using some psychiatry checks on Dooley. So you're not really too sure exactly whether what he's doing and with twisting the ring is that doing anything to Dooley. But there is a great moment as he's delving deeper and deeper into Dooley, telling him to focus focus that he's getting more information out of Dooley than he probably would tell anybody else in the SSR. He wouldn't talk to Thompson about this, about his marriage breakup. He wouldn't talk to Thompson about problems at home. Um, and Thompson seems to be his closest confidant in the SSR. Yet he's talking to Ivanchenko, a Russian prisoner that they released who was a former member of Viathan. Um, yes, so there's definitely something in the ring there. As we find out later in the episode when he's speaking to, to Yetch. Um, essentially, or Yoke, uh, apologies to uh, to Detective Yoke. Uh, obviously, everybody seems to mispronounce his name in that uh, in the SSR. Yeah. Um, but I do love the little touch there that essentially he does the same thing to this uh, to this detective who's not getting any respect in the SSR. Another detective, um, and he learns the full layout of the of the area. He learns where to find Stark's um, equipment, essentially that was captured captured by the SSR that we saw a few weeks ago. Um, that it's in the lab 
probably an obvious place to put uh, put the equipment. Um, but uh, but it could yeah. be a vault. It could be another location. You never know. Maybe it's a bit silly it being in the lab it is. in downtown Manhattan. Probably is. Probably is. Uh, but yeah, and then he convinces, unfortunately convinces Detective Yout to go and take uh, a drink of a nice bourbon at the local local establishment and then walk out in front of a car. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, farewell, Detective Yout. Nobody could pronounce your name. We barely knew you, but uh, farewell. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, but definitely shows us that we do have you know, a supervillain in here, uh, something that is very rare for, for Agent Carter so far. Yeah. Um, yeah, but really interesting. Um, John, what's your next point? My next point is that the first floor of the Griffith has been breached, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. It has been breached in broad daylight by actual gentlemen. Peggy Carter has managed to get not only one, mm-hmm. not only two, but three men past reception in full view above the first floor (laughs) i really like this idea that you know um i just loved it i thought um you know peggy's gone back actually for a real emotional really um important reason after she's been found out by Sousa and there's been the big face-off yeah she's gone back for uh steve rogers blood that she's kept in um in the wall Mm -hmm. hidden away and um, but I, I love the commotion that it causes at this kind of fairly stuffy sort of boarding house yeah. for, for women for single women, um, and that she gets three men past the first floor. Many have tried, many have failed, and many a woman has been evicted for even um, having a, a night of passion with a man. And normally, actually, in fairness. It's not only that they go up past the first floor, but that they then leave and leave the building and everything in that sense is fine. Because what did um, the mistress of the Griffith Hotel say? It's it's not so much the getting in, but it's the coming down the stairs the next day. And <laughs> um, that's where they get caught out. But um, oh, so Mir- I thought that was really good fun. I thought it was a nice little fun touch. Absolutely. Um, Miriam is fantastic in this is. scene. I love that, d- despite the fact that these guys are from the SSR, a government agency, and have the right to walk into these premises, she's still stopping them as if they're trying to have a dalliance with the ladies of the Griffith. But maybe um, more people it. need to be like Miriam, you know, standing up against authority and, and the sort of... The broad spectacle of a police state. Oh, wow. Yes. (laughs) Wow. Possibly. Possibly. Of course, um, yes, this is not a political podcast. No, Um, no. But anyway, um, but I love the fact that as well, Angie gets a really nice dig in here um, about, you know, they knock on her door to question her, to ask her information um, and and question her about Peggy. um, And she just goes, um, you know, yeah, she's complained about her fat-haired co-workers at Bell Telecom. Um, and it's just like, you know, as Sousa and, and Thompson are, are there. Um, and then she adds the waterworks, which, you know, to emotionally stunted men from the 40s, they just can't handle it. And I love, I love how Thompson, Agent Jack Thompson, deals with it. He's kind of like, he just can't handle it. And again, it's just a nice nod to her acting because... It's just all these different layers and nods and references in this one scene is just great, you know. It's a nod to her acting as well, that joke, and that 
She's been turned down by producer after producer after producer. You know, you saw from earlier episodes that, you know, she didn't get the radio um, part that was agent... Beggy Garter or whatever. And, <laughs> um, you know, it was... Just, wasn't that bad. No, but, you know, it was... It's really good. And, you know, you have Peggy after... Peggy's obviously stood out on the ledge outside the window. Um, and Peggy afterwards, like, goes, you know, you should be on Broadway. And I did, in my mind, think, and will she make it to Hollywood for season two? Oh, yes, yes. Which would be really, really cool if she did. Because, obviously, they're... Uh, moving as such to LA for season two, I believe. Mm-hmm, that's right. Um, and so to Hollywoodland, uh, yeah. Maybe Angie has a good stint on Broadway and starts to go after a few of those uh, coveted film titles. Yeah, they even leave it with Peggy saying to her, um, or Angie asking the question of Peggy, maybe you'll tell me your story sometime. And Peggy says, maybe in a few years' time. So, yeah, it's quite possible we could see Angie over in uh, over in Hollywoodland. Yeah, yeah, really cool, really cool. But I do love the scene. And again, she does end it saying, I've, I've, or I'm already going to call my dad and say I'm not going to go to that accountancy school. I am definitely going to be an actress on Broadway. Uh, we'd seen earlier on in the episode she was she was uh, doing a piece from um, a play called A Doll's House. Yes. Um, really interesting piece that she did Ibsen. in there. Uh, yeah, exactly. Kind of nineteenth century or turn of the century in terms of the twentieth century. Ibsen, I think he's he's Russian or he's Scandinavian. Doll's House. Cherry Orchard, really good plays. Yeah, and A Doll's House specifically speaks to a society that's essentially controlled and developed by men, and how what what is women's place in that society? What a brilliant play to choose for this episode. Yeah, yeah, really, really good. Yeah, it's really, really good thing to and theme to draw out, and I think it's something that this season of Peggy Carter has done so well, actually. Definitely, yeah, definitely. So, Derek, what's your next point? My next point is Howard Stark, <laughs> because I love how they bring him into this episode. I really, really enjoy the idea of the ha- the Stark special, the parting gift that he hands off to, to a woman that he's had a night with. Uh, fantastic stuff. Um, yeah, and I love the list, essentially, of all the women that he's given it to, where Peggy looks at the list and says, how can one man have, have dealt with this many women in his lifetime, let alone the last six months, let alone the women that he's actually given the Stark special to? Uh, and particularly the little fun little gag of possibly is Ginger Rogers a Russian spy um, because her (laughs) eyes when I escorted her away from the villa where the darkest of gates to the abyss uh, says Jarvis great line absolutely great line and I love the fact that Peggy is kind of how many women are on this list whereas Jarvis is going it's shorter than I thought it would be. You know, <laughs> exactly. I love it. It's such a great little contrast between the two characters. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, the, the the nice little touch in here is that Peggy is still jokingly punishing Jarvis for what he what essentially what Howard did to her. Um, she's the one that drags Jarvis along with her to meet other women, uh, and that is absolutely punishing Jarvis for his part in in what happened to her I and mean, his or his part in protecting Peggy, I suppose, from the knowledge that some of Steve Rogers' blood has lasted this long and was used for testing by the government, uh, and that Howard was hiding it from her. There's a nice little gag and a nice little playful feel to it, but definitely Peggy is punishing Jarvis for his part in what happened with Howard. I think that's really cool. But there's a nice, another nice, really enjoyable little touch where Peggy, when she goes into um, Ida, Emke, Ida Emke's apartment, when she goes in there and a little boy encounters Jarvis, 
when he's on the lookout. That's a really interesting touch because I love how Jarvis deals with this. He's supposed to be on the lookout expecting something like the cops to show up or you know a nosy neighbour to turn up. The little boy doesn't say anything at all and Jarvis ends off handing him a dime to get rid of him. Yeah. You know, I don't know whether that's a comment on the fact that he doesn't use American money very often or definitely not in the lower notes uh, level but just hands the kid a dime, the kid smiles and walks off. Really interesting. Nice little fun touch there. Yeah, no, this is actually one of my points just that Jarvis and Peggy are back together and slightly different frames of reference going on as well you know Peggy goes I don't think we were ever on the same team Um, you know she's quite clear that they've got common goals but um, you know she's still there a bit scorned by the whole event I do like how they kind of meet up and reunite, it's kind of like adulterers, 1940s adulterers, <laughs> uh, where they're, they're sat back to back and yeah. you kind of think that they're whispering sweet nothings to one another or I imagine that that's what Angie is doing whilst they have this affair um, between um, between themselves, you know so I really like this. So I, I almost think that Angie thinks that Peggy is seeing a married man. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I really like that. I, lo- I love that kind of adulterous nature to their encounters with the the diner meets. Yeah, definitely. And I love there is that, that it's not working at all, that Angie has recognized that this is how they <laughs> always meet. And also that's how the SSR know that the two of them are going to be in the automat is because that's what she frequents and frequently meets Jarvis at this location. I think that's just really funny that they think this is a great clandestine meet, uh, that they that they are speaking back to back. They're not sitting at the table. But everybody knows, essentially, um, in this society, everybody seems to know what's going on. But yeah, and I love that montage then that you have where, um, and as you've said, where Jarvis and Peggy are investigating all these women to mm-hmm. track down maybe the one that, you know, got too close to Howard and ended off uh, stealing his weapons, yeah. um, so to speak. <laughs> but I love the fact you get the slaps in the face and then Peggy actually tries to protect Jarvis's modesty, you know, mm-hmm. his politeness. Uh, and instead for, for her troubles... Uh, Jarvis gets a kick in the shins. I really like that. And I mean, I just love the fact that, um, you know, he's like, I might sit this one out. He knows what's coming. He's been the lackey. He's the one that's had to let down all these women uh, because of Howard Stark. And, you know, he goes, I just didn't realize that he was attracted to such violent women after being slapped, kicked and so on. Um, really good and coming back to your Ibsen point again it's a nice little light touch but it delivers a really important social commentary of that time all these ladies that they're interviewing knocking on their doors trying to see if they are this mysterious woman um, you know are saying he's a low down dirty snake and so on and one of them does say you know if it was a girl she would be called a floozy it is that notion of you know the the stereotypes that you have, you you know, a, a man that goes and has multiple partners as a Casanova, it, you know, is is whimsical. It's a bit of a dandy. Yeah, it's a womanizer, and that seemed like a yeah. good thing. Yeah. Um, whereas a woman maybe doing the same uh, thing is is a floozy, a hussy. It's much more negative connotations. Yeah. And it's just drawn really nicely. It's not laboured. It's not made a huge deal of, but. 
for anyone listening, that's a really important uh, commentary on those times and even on some people's uh, attitudes today. And it's it's nice to see that they've been tackled in a way that actually is thrown into a really light-hearted montage. And I, I think it has um, a huge amount of impact. And I'm really enjoying this side of it. I think it's really important, certainly for like, I, well, for me anyway, for people of our age whose um, whose mums would have gone through that whole period, they yeah. would have gone from probably being born just on the cusp of women actually being allowed to vote universally, and mm-hmm. um, to then further sort of rights for for women and. In a sense, they may have been taking jobs, they may have been going to university, going to third-level university, and really shaping and breaking perceptions of what women can do in you know, the 50s and the 60s, and obviously for earlier back, maybe in the 40s and 30s. So really, really, really like seeing this on, on TV, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, another great accomplishment for the show. Really, really good moment, and and really, yeah, I, I know what you mean. They tell it through, even though it's told through a really jokey manner. It does come across. You can see uh, this, but I do like the touch again. I love the casting in the show. I really do because they've chosen two, three very different women here. You've got a very tall woman, you've got a blonde woman, brown haired woman, and a really short woman. So just showing that Howard knows uh, Howard's. Um, choices in women are vast and wide, essentially. Nice little, nice little touch there. Yeah, uh, staggering. Really <laughs> yeah, it's basically anybody, um, you know, including many, uh, many socialites a, and and uh, he's a Oscar winners. of the highest order. Very much so. <laughs> very much so. So, Derek, what's your fifth and final point? My final point is the showdown at the Griffiths. Uh, now, we mentioned it a little bit. You mentioned more of the SSR side of it. I wanted to talk about the dotty side of it. It's a really dotty <laughs> The episode. crazy side of it. I'm, Crazy-eyed I, dotty. I know. I clearly love dotty. I think I had three points about her uh, in this episode. Um, but, yes, the showdown with Peggy where she's playing the innocent uh, and saying her goodbye to Peggy just like Angie did uh, a moment ago in a scene beforehand but we all know as the audience that Dottie is the person that's been sent to kill Peggy Carter, essentially. Um, yeah, the so, new directive, uh, Morse coded out by Ivanchenko. Yeah, absolutely. But I love that she uses Peggy's lipstick. You're wearing the same brand as me, she says to Dottie as she kisses her. Um, nice little touch that she's using Peggy against Peggy, using Peggy's um, way of knocking people out against her with a, with a kiss on the, on the lips to knock out Peggy. Um, luckily, the SSR are there to uh, to save Peggy, not knowingly, but they're there to save Peggy. Um, because otherwise, she would have gotten the knife to the throat, just like we'd seen in the opening of the episode. Uh, Dottie would have taken Peggy out. Um, and no qualms about it, that would have been, that would absolutely have been what had happened if, uh, if the SSR didn't turn up. A fantastic scene, and again, the tension that's ratcheted up throughout the episode that Dottie's going to get another victim here. Um, and then she, again, she flips on a dime and turns back into innocent little pe- little Dotty from Iowa, who's just walked in on poor Peggy, who may, must have fainted in the hallway, um, and totally taken at face value from the SSR. Really, really good scene. Yeah, I love the fact that Peggy was saved and Dotty foiled by the arrival of the SSR. And yeah. um, I thought it was a really nice touch. You see the same knife as from the flashback to Russia in 1944. So it's just a really, again, more great co- touches and the continuity of it is superb. Um, and I love actually then that this kind of brings me into my final 
point is that, you know, you have Peggy now in custody. There is nowhere left for her to run. Yeah. She's pleasing a case. And I think that, you know, the ending kind of finishes on this, well, you kind of want equality and now you've got equality. It's sort of rather chillingly, Dooley says, don't go easy on her just because she's a girl. Yeah. It's a really sort of neat touch to this show where... You know, Peggy started off as the making the coffee, which as well, Yauch seems to have been uh, demoted to in that yeah. sense. Uh, yeah. And, you know, then she's been doing the lunch orders and she's gradually sort of built her way up where, you know, Dooley, at least at the start of the episode, was, look, don't push it, but go off and investigate it. You mm-hmm. know, there are those nice... Um, refreshing breezes coming through and now at the end in a negative way though it's full on you question her and you question her as though she's a man no holds barred she needs to be questioned whether that's because she's hoodwinked them and there's a bit of pride being hurt here or or whatever just a really um, interesting way of rounding off this episode you know as then you have Sousa kind of just say, let's get started. Yeah, absolutely. As he puts out the blitzkrieg button and the photograph of the blonde in the bar. Exactly. Essentially laying out the Cluedo pieces that he's put together. Um, yeah, really, really good. And again, I like the fact they bring in the toll that they've had as a department because of Peggy. They say three SSR agents have been put in hospital because of you. Um, obviously, Thompson is completely taken aback. He didn't suspect anything about her. And in fact, gave her some information about himself that he'd never shared with anybody else in last week's episode. So um, so he obviously feels betrayed. As you mentioned earlier on, Daniel obviously has feelings for Peggy and he's feeling betrayed because he never suspected that she had this kind of secret to hide. And obviously Dooley, who is starting to respect Peggy and starting to give her a job of her own, is feeling betrayed by her. So, uh, yeah, really excited to see what happens next week with this uh, with this development. And will Peggy get out of it? We've only got two episodes left to go, so... Will Peggy? How's Peggy going to get out of it? I suppose it's probably the bigger question. Well, absolutely. Um, I can't wait to find out. To be honest, it'll be really, be really, really good to see. Yeah. Uh, do you have any notes in this episode, John? No, I don't. I think I have covered everything that I wanted to. Um, I, really great episode again, Derek. Um, have you got any notes? Ah, uh, just one fun little one. I just liked that uh, the meeting place for um, for Peggy and Jarvis was at Dublin House in uh, in New York. Which I like because we're in Dublin. We're we recording are. our podcast in Dublin, so always nice to hear a little shout out for our little city of Dublin. Uh, I'm pr- I didn't look it up, but I'm presuming Dublin House was actually much bigger place uh, than that. Uh, much much bigger reason, I'm sure, than uh, than what we're thinking. But uh, but yeah, delighted to get a little shout out there for us. So that's it. I think that's our coverage of this week's episode. Really enjoyable episode, I think. But John, do you defend episode six of Agent Carter, A Sin to Air? I do defend this episode of Agent Carter. Again, I defend it. I would give it four dead dentists out of five. Um, Not that I've got anything against dentists, except when I'm in the chair and when I'm handing over my uh, credit card after a treatment. Um, How about four dead creepy dentists? Four dead creepy dentists out of of five. Um, This was really just a great little episode. It... It's move, you know. It, it's really moving things towards the the business end of this season. Um, Carter is brought into custody. 
you've got infiltration into the SSR unbeknownst to them by uh, the psychiatrist, Dr. Ivanchenko. You have Dottie on fine form, flying around, um, kissing uh, Agent Carter. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the, the the betrayal thought by Daniel Souza over Agent Carter. There's the reuniting of Jarvis and Peggy in their in their investigation to to find out more about Howard Stark. It's just a really, really good episode. And it's really moving it towards episode seven and eight. Um, and I really just can't wait now. I really want to find out what happens in episode seven. And I'm really looking forward to what happens in episode eight. So, again, really good episode for me. Um, th- you know, this season has been really solid, really good. Derek, do you defend this episode of Agent Carter. Oh, what a fantastic episode. Absolutely, I defend it. We get to see a cool, kick-ass Dottie. We get to see um, Agent Carter and uh, Jarvis kind of a prototype Avengers as they kick some ass in the uh, in the at the automat uh, really really good i wonder is there a little bit of a uh, little bit of the british avengers in there with um with peel and steed kind of concept where the two of them are fighting back to back with kickass uh, peggy taking the forefront and jarvis using his little tack to just take out a few enemies but she's the real hard-nosed fighter i love that little well touch. exactly and the reason why the avengers in the uk had to assemble that's and right. not just be avengers um, because of um other uh, proprietary rights yeah. but uh but i do think that the shatari could have been taken down by a bowler hat and an umbrella <laughs> they needed a hulk <laughs> <laughs> maybe Maybe a Hulk is needed, but possibly, you know, a few cufflinks, uh, a wield of an umbrella, some highly polished shoes would also help to take down the Shatari. <laughs> Thanos will be absolutely no match to a well-crisp press suit <laughs> with well, some polished shoes. Well, I'm glad with the <laughs> Avengers that we got, but I'm back on to this episode. Uh, I'm delighted to see Dooley channel Tommy Lee Jones when he does his little fugitive moments, <laughs> which is fantastic. Yeah. I didn't mention it during the episode. Really, really good. And one other moment that I didn't mention during the episode, but I absolutely loved, was Sousa in uh, in uh, talking to Sheldon, uh, who we'd seen in episode two, the guy who was beaten up by Peggy Carter. That moment when he's told that definitely it is Peggy that that beat up um, Sheldon. She's the one that put him in, uh, put him almost in the hospital, and then eventually put him in prison. Um, that moment there's a great moment where you see Daniel Sousa's betrayed face. You see him instantly going, "Do you want to look again at the photograph? Are you sure it's that Peggy? Um, this is someone that." That's done something to me, and she's not the person I thought she was. Fantastic moment. Yeah, great line. And a really good episode. Uh, Definitely can't wait. Only two more, unfortunately. At least we know there's a season two coming up. I think our friends who've reviewed this show when it was on in the U.S., weren't sure. They always thought that this was an eight-episode show, that we'd never see anything more of Peggy Carter on the TV. Um, But... We are delighted to know that there's another another season to go and two more episodes this season to watch. Yeah. Absolutely cool. I mean, thank you so much for listening again. And it's just to remember, and it's just to remind you that you can obviously find us on www.defenderstvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes or any other good podcast catcher, Stitcher, Player FM, Podcast Addict, Beyond Podcast, 
um, just search Defenders TV Podcast. And of course, you can listen to us on our website as well at defenderstvpodcast.com. Um, thank you again so much for listening. And if you want to share any thoughts with us, just make sure you send your feedback to feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, which is DefendersPod. Join us on Facebook in either our group, which has loads of discussions going on, or just join our page just to get regular updates from us. Um, just look for us at Defenders TV Podcast. Um, that's it for this week. Yeah, Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be here next week for Episode 7 of Agent Carter. Yes, snafu. Snafu, your favourite word. I do love the word. I do love the word. Thanks so much for listening. Take care. You too, English. You too.